It was just overwhelming support from the local community and it was clear that that everyone was was really into mushrooms as much as we were. It's a beautiful thing. Most people, especially here in Australia, haven't seen these varieties that we're growing. This is the seventh and final episode of The Producers in Launceston, a special podcast series celebrating the food, wine and people of this very special part of Tasmania. Mr Brown and Towns is an urban mushroom farm in the city of Launceston. Owners and best mates Michael Townsend and Fergus Brown grow exotic mushrooms in an old abattoir that's been given new life as a hub for small businesses and startups. Mushrooms are a business, but growing them also offers a lifestyle. Michael and Fergus want work to be enjoyable and to gel with the lives they're aiming to craft. Michael Townsend is my birth name. My friends know me as T and um, I guess people that know me through the business uh, as Mr Towns, which is quite funny. I can combine all three personalities into one. Um, Yeah, founder of Mr Brown and Towns Mushroom Farm. Um, Mr Brown is uh, currently not with us at the moment, but uh, a best friend. And uh, yeah, we've started a mushroom farm here in Launceston in the north of Tasmania. I run the business with my best friend, uh, Fergus Brown. I'm Fergus Brown. Um, I am obviously Michael's business partner in this. And, um, well, I grow mushrooms now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, full-time mushroom guy, full-time. Mr. Brown and Towns is a, um, uh, I think, a lifestyle, really, that me and Fergus have managed to um, focus our attention on. it is a mushroom farm that provides the two of us with flexibility to ultimately have a healthy work-life balance, I think, and, and, and maybe approach work and family and friendship and uh, you know, usage of time and financial security from a way that is not as traditional as most might be, perhaps. Yeah. If farm suggests fields and soil, you'll need to dismantle that notion to understand Mr Brown and Town's mushroom garden. It's indoors and urban, surrounded by ceilings and walls rather than skies and weather. Fergus takes us inside. The mushroom farm is quite unassuming. We're in a complex um, called Blue Ribbon. It's kind of a bit of a mismatch of different businesses up here, but essentially it's it's an old abattoir. I think it was the main abattoir for the north of Tasmania. Um, hasn't been operating as an abattoir for, oh, I think it's like 25, 30 years now, maybe maybe a bit less. But um, uh, yeah, and it was it was dormant for a long time. Um, but so uh, Brian McCready is the, the owner and he, he bought it about 10 years ago and gradually um, started fixing it up and now, um, essentially, they're going around and fixing up all the spaces, and we've got yeah, all sorts of businesses up here. There's, there's the main one being Firmus, which is kind of like a data center slash Bitcoin mine behind us. So that's a that's a bit a bit of a different one, and they're 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 um they're doing really well. And we've got uh, Mira Miso next to us. Um, do obviously do miso. My partner Lauren, who is Avocado Moon Kombucha, she's just down the hall, and we actually share her cool room. Um, which has been super handy. So she already had a cool room. So um, 
and there's many more, but yeah, essentially it's, it's, um, kind of like a warehouse space and we are just one warehouse in a collection of about 15. Um, we've got, I'd say probably around 200 square meters of floor space and it's very, um, it's considered B grade warehouse space. So we've, if, if you could try and picture some aspects of an abattoir, there's various uh, levels and landings and, and gutters and things where, where the, um, the, the blood would have been sprayed down and things like this. And we've kind of got one room that's essentially unusable because it's got all sorts of wacky levels, but we've essentially made most of it work. We've got the, the, the main room that we grow our mushroom mushrooms in is, is, about 14 metres by five across and um, we it's low ceiling and we run a fan in there and it's uh, it's pretty much the perfect environment, um, well insulated. It's kind of what people do when they're trying other mushroom farms. Um, generally, the, uh, a good practice is to use a shipping container because it's sort of custom fit and you essentially want a small environment so you can control everything a lot easier. So we've basically got, yeah, a good setup for it. So um um yeah it's 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 been a challenge i guess trying to figure out how to make it work especially as the business grows so when we started you know we were doing 30 sort of um blocks we call them of mushroom bags a week so blocks just um this one one unit of substrate that we grow mushrooms on and now we're we're, we're doing close to 400 a week and so those growing pains you know we haven't we haven't changed the space we've still got the same amount of space so um, it's, we've probably redesigned the system, I'd say, you know, four or five times now. And, um, we, it's been a lot of moving things around, a lot of, a lot of conversations about how this could work and a lot of fantasizing about getting an extra warehouse space, uh, which we hopefully will do in the future so that we can have the perfect system. But, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's ugly, but it works and, um, it's been great for us. Michael and Fergus aren't exactly mushroom geeks from way back. It's more that they wanted to do something fun and challenging that might also be commercial. Michael explains. I feel as though many people who go into mushroom farming perhaps will be doing it as a hobby for many years um, prior to taking it to, to restaurants and chefs and markets. But we sort of came in with the intention of um, trying to, instead of having a goal and conforming to that goal, perhaps trying to make the goal conform to our lives. And we were doing this individually as just, um, I guess, young people in our 20s exploring ways to make money that still allowed us to have time and provide us with satisfaction. And we were exploring that. And I think that's what brought us together, maybe got us sort of closer as friends um, in the first place. So when we sort of stumbled across um, the opportunity to grow mushrooms or when that opportunity presented itself to us um, and we did some more in-depth research, we, we thought that this might be the ideal way for us to um, attain, yeah, that, that sort of autonomy and satisfaction but also to be ch challenged enough to feel like you're growing, but not too much that you're losing your hair from stress, I guess. Well, I'm, I'm bald, <laughs> so I've gone through my fair um, dose of stress. And 
I guess stress and adrenaline and maybe like excitement, you know, sort of all wrapped up into one. Um, it was definitely a struggle at the start and I don't think that's unique to anyone who's starting a business and I think perhaps starting a business is maybe harder than growing mushrooms um, you know starting a business especially if you've never done it before there's a lot to learn um, there's a lot of challenges um, and there's a lot of pressure so that forces you to dig deep and especially because there was t- two of us we could s- sort of hold each other accountable and and encourage each other along um, you know one of us might get a little bit worn out because we're both you know putting in as much time as, as we had available aside to our jobs um, but it was around the same time that that we decided to live together and so we were tree planters originally and we'd be you know out in the forest of, of Tasmania there you know getting paid 10 cents per tree and and you didn't stop you know you you'd work as hard as you could until it was knockoff time um, you didn't get paid for a lunch break so if you sat down to eat a sandwich you you were missing out on on sort of earnings for that day so we we both had this mentality of, of working hard and and getting that job sort of getting that job done looking close to us at one one step at a time you know one tree at a time and then we were able to do that simultaneously while starting the mushroom business so we'd go to work at say 6 30 to 2 we'd come back we'd go straight to the to the location where we were we were renovating um to have the farm um we'd work there till six and then we'd go home and and we lived together for a period of about a year during this um, startup phase. And so that proximity to each other made us grow really close. And I think it really proved to each other that we had each other's back and that we were in it together and that the priority was making sure that both of us were were healthy and we had a we had a strong relationship where we were looking out for each other first before sort of our own success within the business um and so all of that sort of encouragement and that camaraderie you know allowed us to have a stressful have a hard day's work but then come back at the end of it together and and sort of relish in that fact that we were doing it together and we had someone by our side not so much Samwise, uh, Gamgee and Frodo Baggins situation, but you know the two of us were just right there, fifty-fifty. Um, you know, I'd see Ferg working hard. It's like who could beat, who could work harder than the other person. You know, he'd, I'd see him working hard, and that would encourage me to to push harder and, and to get things going. Um, and the stress comes with it, you know. But I think we managed to navigate that just right um i probably got a little bit burnt out there at some stage um i can remember you know a period of time there where it was all consuming and um and ferg was a solid rock he's he's the one that would tell me you know you need to take you need to take a day off or take take some time to chill out you need to shut off you need to switch off um and having that 
in a business partner, I think was was quite special and something that I, I reflect on for sure. Mushrooms are an everyday product, but can still be mysterious, even magical. Fergus gives us the 101. Mushrooms are unique in that they're not considered plants, they're not considered animals, they're in their own kingdom of um, fungi, and um, unlike plants, they don't use photosynthesis, so they don't require light. Um, There's a bit of a misnomer, a lot of people assume that they grow in the dark, Um, that's that is kind of true. I mean, they don't require light to grow, so they will grow through the night, but we actually grow our mushrooms in full spectrum lighting the whole time. Um, it gives them the pigment, so without that light, they would be pale. And, um, well, haven't even done the experiment to find out. We just know they, they enjoy the light. So, so yeah, a mushroom, so the process essentially from the, uh, the farmer's perspective is that we take, um, we want to, create a soil for them to grow in and then we essentially sow a seed in that soil the mushroom seed which is called the spawn and it'll take anywhere from sort of one month to sort of three months depending on the strain for that mushroom to start from start to finish um so they're very very uh, finicky things to try and try and wrangle essentially they're, they're they're essentially untamable but you just do the best you can to get them to to come as consistently as you can but so, yeah, um, generally we've got mushrooms that are fully formed and ready to be harvested. So we'll go through with our with our crates that we harvest into and pick them right there in the fruiting room and then take them to a commercial kitchen to trim, trim the substrate off and box them up. And um, we flush, we do two flushes of all our mushrooms. You can get more, but they tend to diminish by at least half if not more each time and it's not we don't have the space to keep them for longer so after the first flush you'll wait another two weeks or thereabouts and then you've got um mushrooms again probably yeah about 40 percent of the first harvest and um and then and then uh, we've got compost after that so the the growing substrate that has produced mushrooms is now really good for the garden essentially and we um we sell our our compost to um people of Launceston essentially for the for the garden beds and um it's kind of yeah nice to see that we don't have much waste um and that's kind of the the cycle i was lucky enough to visit mr brown and town's mushroom paradise it's a cornucopia of different mushroom varieties and colors most stacked on shelves in grow bags some in special temperature controlled cabinets the shapes and colors and sprouting sizes are beautiful as well as appetizing Michael talks through the varieties and how he loves to eat them. There's a lot of mushrooms uh, in ta- that are allowed to be grown in Tasmania and I have listened to many a conversations with experienced mushroom farmers who recommend keeping species uh, to a, 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 around three. Three mushrooms will keep your hands full. Maybe it's like similar to having kids perhaps, but me and Ferg are a little bit silly and, and we like to to grow about 10 or 11 different species, uh, some medicinal, uh, some gu- uh, gourmet. Um, we have a, a variety of oysters and uh, the oysters will come in different shapes and colours. We have king oyster, the pink oyster, gold oyster, 
the Shimmer Fury or the Black Pearl Oyster, uh, the Blue Shimji, and a, and a Monster Blue and a Winter White. So there's a few there. And then the more sort of exotic varieties that we play around with are the Lion's Mane, which is becoming quite quite popular. We have uh, a Coral Tooth. We have a Chestnut, a Piapino, and a Namico um, mushroom. And we dabble with a, a, a strain of Reishi as well. So they all will provide you with something unique. And so it, the beautiful thing with mushrooms is that you never get bored of them. And and so I'll go through phases of, of liking particular mushrooms at certain stages, depending on, on what I'm cooking and, and what I'm feeling like. If I'm doing, um, you know, salads, perhaps, if, I'm, if it's a summertime meal, I might be working with a lighter mushroom, maybe the coral tooth. I might be doing some Buddha bowls with like um, a panko breadcrumbed lion's mane sort of mix. If I'm going for some some curries or some stir fries or some ramens, I might just rock some really nice king oyster mushrooms or some namicos. At the moment, I am getting into the king oysters. Uh, they are a personal favourite, and um, it's always nice trying them. Um, you know, I eat mushrooms every day, but you go out and you'll try try the mushroom your own mushrooms that a chef's cooking, and you'll kind of get to taste. Um, or experience them in their in their peak, you know, and then try and replicate that at home. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about it is um, it's a quite a simple uh, produce to cook um, at home yourself. So uh, chefs are not going crazy with them, you know, they're keeping them really simple. And and, and the beautiful thing is people can do that at home and, and get the same experience. When Michael and Fergus thought mushrooms might be their next business, they soon realised there was a lot to learn. Fergus explains how they gleaned enough information to get started and how ingenious hacks and workarounds have been a feature of their progress. The mushroom growing process was obviously something that we had to learn as we went. Um, And luckily for us, there's a lot of good information on YouTube. I think um, there's a bit of a trend in, in the States that's been going on longer than it has here with people growing mushrooms at home and then transitioning into business scale and 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 not so on and so forth and there's uh in the in the the day that we live in there's a lot of people posting about it online so we we essentially learnt from youtube and um it was awesome because we got to see how other people figured it out and a lot of the time it was on a very low budget with only so many resources around um so you know, these things that if we were a first grade, I don't know, born uh, operation would probably be all stainless steel and tens of thousands of dollars off the shelf. Um, but, you know, we've just, you figure it out if you need to. And the things we're trying to achieve are pretty basic at the end of the day. We just want to heat something up or we just want to mix it. Um, and so there's there's always a, there's always a, a a bootstrap option for for achieving those things and so yeah um uh, we've been very fortunate in that both michael and i have fathers that are very handy particularly michael's he's a 
um, fitter and turner by trade. So he's he he's, knows his way around a world, or he can pretty much take anything and make it into anything else. So, um, and and also fortunately, he's he's retired, so he'll be milling around looking for something to do. And we'll be like, here you go, Graham. Uh, this is what we need fixed today, mate. And and off he goes, and he'll figure it out, and he'll come back in a couple of days and be like, this is what I reckon. And you know, sometimes we might help him build it. A lot of the time, he's already just done it himself, and. And sure enough, the thing the thing will work for for a decent while. If it doesn't, he'll come and fix it again. Um, so that's been super handy. And then my dad is a similar MacGyver. Um, hasn't been as available, but when he when he has been, it's been great. But he's sort of, I guess, just through example, taught me to build a little bit. Um, and I wasn't much of a builder before this this business, but I always wanted to just know my way around the tools. And I've essentially had heaps of opportunity to do that. So I've been I've been figuring it out as I go. Um, so um, yeah, they're they're all Frankenstein machines. They're all just you know figured out and thrown together and held together with um, well, not masking tape, but nails at least. We're up to the nails level, and um, they all do the job. They're they're great, and it's been fun really figuring that out. That's kind of been the most creative and rewarding part of of the business. We're uh, you know we're making money for ourselves on things that we've just built from essentially scraps, which is awesome. Growing is one thing, but you've got to get the mushies into market. Michael picks up the tail. The pr- the process of mushroom growing is is um. You, uh, you grow mushrooms and then you put them in a crate and you basically go door knocking um, to, be, to begin with. You know, that was how it all started. So, you know, I can rem- remember being quite nervous, feeling a little bit out of my depth, but, but being overwhelmed with an abundance of mushrooms and, and putting them in a, in a box and, and walking through the town of Launceston, you know, trying to uh, go into as many restaurants and cafes that I thought would be you know, approachable and might be interested in the public in the product and going in, talking to the chef, opening the box, being like, this is what we've got, we're growing this and they'd look at me and go, yes, but can you grow it consistently? You know, can you, is this going to be a regular supply or are you just going to sort of jump in and jump out? And that was probably the biggest sort of feedback that we got was consistency and reliability is, is something that sort of chefs are after and, and that from early on became our sort of uh, goal was to was to maintain that consistency of product and that quality uh, locally. And so we never bit off more than we could chew. We'd scale up very slowly. Um, mushrooms like to grow slow. You know, the, there'll be better quality mushrooms if they're grown slowly. And, and so we took that approach with our clients, taking on um, some cafes, Early on, um, we got some great support from a few few local restaurants who who were interested in the product. Um, and then it's just yeah, like Ferg said, you know, starting off with twenty blocks of mushrooms and then growing to four hundred blocks. Starting off with one or two repeat customers and then growing that to you know over thirty repeat regular orders um, that are locked in each week. Um, after a period of of that. Of focusing on restaurant sales, we, we moved into the markets as well. Um, it's a great food community here in Launceston. Um, recently got named a, c- a city of gastronomy and, and for good reason too, there's a lot of support for, for local produce. And so we found that the community at the local markets were definitely one that 
that we resonated with um, and there were people there, maybe a slightly older generation that were sort of, uh, they'd sort of been there before us, you know, and we, and we resonated with them. And so when we came into the Launceston harvest market, I think about two years ago now, um, it was just overwhelming support from the local community uh, and it was clear that, that everyone was, was really into mushrooms as much as we were. So that was a nice transition to make. Um, from there, we moved down to the, the Hobart Farmgate market probably about 12 months ago now. So we've been doing the markets consistently on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, you know, for over over 12 months Um and uh, restaurant sales for, yeah, maybe two years. Home cooks love the mushrooms, but chefs are another level. How did the guys find their way into restaurants and how have those relationships driven their connection to other Tasmanian producers? Yeah, so we we had our heads down for a fair while uh, in the early stages. We didn't really involve ourselves in social media too much on, on a personal scale and so we weren't really present uh, online, people could only talk to us or, or find us at, at the markets for, for nearly 12 months. Um, and then it was as soon as we started getting sort of uh, encouragement from chefs who've been you know, operating at a high standard for the majority of their career, that sort of sh- gave us signs that we were in the right direction and we were, we were doing something good. Um, Nearly every day, I'll wake up with a with a, a post from a, a supporting restaurant that uses our product. That's you know that's showcasing it, that's showing it off, that's proud of it. You know whether it's a farm tour or or a new dish that they've tried, um, and that's that sort of support's really encouraging. I think that's important to um, to be proud of, of of where we are and what we do. Um, the local, as far as the local community goes, you know, it's 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 personal relationships. It's farmer to to um, customer relationships. You know, I, we do the markets, and and every time I'm on, there's a, a regular person that comes through who who I nearly know by a first name basis now. You know, and so you do you develop those relationships with them, and and they love finding out about the farm and and what's changing and and. Not all the not all the highs, but also the, the lows. You know what we're struggling with um, from a, from a business perspective, how we're being affected by you know the the climate or um, whether whether it be other factors, uh, tourism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then next to that, you know, everyone's uh, other producers are are also. Um, supporting other producers so you know it feels as though it is community driven and it's not competition uh, driven um, and that's I guess the beauty of Launceston and Tasmania in, in general as well is that it's it's big enough to sp- spread your wings but small enough to, to not feel like you're getting you're going to get lost you know and so you do f- you do feel encouraged when you step out and, and take a risk with something and try something new. You get the support, but you don't feel like you're um, you're being, I guess, yeah, smothered by other people trying to trying to climb the same ladder. Perhaps the feeling of consuming your produce it, it does make you glow. You know, I I get friends send me photos of the mushrooms that that they've particularly ordered off the menu because it's it's ones that they know I've grown and. 
And um, yeah, there's no denying it. It feels special. Um, and I think that there's a an, a great amount of support from restaurants, but there's also amazing produce in Tasmania. You know, so um, everyone's helping everyone, and and the community community here as a whole. But but I definitely order the mushrooms when I go to when I go to a restaurant, even though I've got them on tap. Mr Brown and Towns is a business built on multiple motivations and with a variety of outcomes. What is it that Fergus and Michael love about what they do? To be honest, I love just being able to work for myself. I mean, aside from the fact that we grow mushrooms, they're, they're, they're awesome. Um, I really enjoy just being able to, I mean, not that I don't have a schedule. We definitely have schedules, but having the flexibility to be able to design our own work life, um, that's been the most freeing part of the whole experience. Um, so I'd put that first and then and then getting to experience the joy from others of around the mushrooms. I think probably Michael and I are a bit, not I wouldn't say jaded, but I've seen that many mushrooms now that I'm kind of, it, it does wear off a little bit. I still love them, but I, but I, I, I love more to see everybody else's reaction because i um, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Most people, especially here in Australia, haven't seen these varieties that we're growing. They're, they're quite new. So when you when you're running the store at the market, hardly anyone walks by without doing a double take or coming over to ask if they can take a photo and just just blowing out at how impressive these things are. So um, yeah, joy joy for the work life balance and joy that I get to grow such interesting and beautiful and delicious produce. I knew I wasn't gonna come up with the next PayPal um, and I feel like this is the next best thing for me. I feel challenged. Uh, I also feel responsible. It grounds me. Um, you know, prior to this to this commitment, um, you know, I, I didn't have much in the scheme of um, responsibility. You know, I was still sort of figuring out and exploring what that looked like. Um, but I, I do believe that <coughs> we've Within this, within this farm, we've been able to, through this business, we've been able to create, create a sustainable work-life balance, you know, that will only improve and, and it allows us to focus on the work culture, you know, it allows us to focus on the environment that is work, you know, it's inevitable that we will, we will have to work and, and we'll continue to work for a large part of our lives. And so I want that to be as enjoyable as possible. You know, I want to be able to listen to the music that I, that I like whilst working. I want to be able to talk to the people that I, whose company I really enjoy, you know, so we, we have our friends working with us and, um, it's like being at school again, you know, there's so much play at school, you know, you, you were doing stuff, but it was it was enjoyable due to the company that you were in. And so, you know, there's a period there where I, I remember looking looking at my at my bed before before going to sleep and and just being really excited to get out of it in the morning and get back to the farm. That has definitely worn off a little bit. Um, that was the initial stages, but being at work and 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 being in that environment is so fulfilling, and and it just provides just me with a lot of happiness really every day. A key food experience in Launceston is Saturday's Harvest Market. Mr Brown and Town's stall is a highlight, always with a beautiful mushroom display and plenty of time to chat about what's on offer and what might be done with it. 
It's a testament to the business started and run by two mates. A great product presented to market with joy and aplomb. Mr Brown and Towns is about mushrooms, but it's also about enterprise, friendship, creativity and community. This was the last episode of The Producers in Launceston, a special podcast series that we have absolutely loved making, celebrating the food, wine and people of Northern Tasmania. These podcasts are a partnership with Agricultured, a food showcase of this beautiful and rich region. Listen to all of The Producers in Launceston podcasts on the Deep in the Weeds podcast network.